0: Round 3, Group 1 This piece is titled Ghost Light Content warnings include intense arguing and implied death Now, this theatre, like many others, is home to quite a few legends Can anyone here tell me why it's a tradition to burn a ghost light when the theater is empty? Uh, so the ghosts can see what they're doing? (laughs) (laughs) The opposite, actually. A ghost light is meant to keep any spirits haunting the theater away. Of course, to be fair, other versions of the legend say it's to keep the ghosts happy. It all depends on what spirits are afoot. Is this theater haunted? Of course. Most are. Legend has it that the ghost of a director haunts this very stage, killed the night before their play was set to open. How did they die? We're not sure. But if you look at the very center of the stage, there's the faintest burn mark. The director caught fire, perhaps, from a waylaid special effect? Spontaneous combustion? Perhaps once this mystery is solved, they can finally be at peace. Now, aside from the ghosts and ghouls, this theater has also played host to a great amount of local history. If you'll follow me to the atrium, we have a short film highlighting the role it played in the Civil War. Every season.
1: Every season, without fail, I come to Mark, and what do I ask him? I don't know, Ross. What? I ask him, Mark, please... For the love of whatever it is that civil servants believe in, can we please suspend the tours during tech week? Well, gosh, what does he say? Or dress rehearsal. Dress rehearsal at the very least. Because I cannot be liable for tourists touching props, or messing with the SFX, or or making out in the tech booth.
2: Yeah, to be fair, that
1: should have been a point in your favor. But he never listens. It's always novelty t-shirts and snow globes and people touching my tape markers. Those are not souvenirs. They are actor insurance. You tell them. Ilya, are you even listening to me? Absolutely. Hey! Um, no phones on back or near the stage? Follow your own rules. I'm trying to figure out where our
2: actors are. Either give that back or text the Slack yourself.
1: Fine. Thank you. Ugh. Tour groups. Everyone is late. (sighs) Consistency is all I
2: ask. Give us this day our daily mask. C, not K. I know this one. Your fly is down. What? (laughs) You're not funny. I'm hilarious. The killjoy is coming from inside the house. And you're also way too stressed about this. Of course
1: I'm stressed. They could have trampled on all the plants for the balcony scene. Have you
2: ever considered that maybe Mark knows what he's doing? All those people looking to see a ghost. They buy a couple tickets, they come see a show. Marketing.
1: Uh, I don't want people to come to my… our show to see a damn ghost. They should come to enjoy a piece of theater and come away with a valuable lesson not disappointed that Casper didn't come out of the rafters. The mattress brand? The Friendly? I hate you. Well, they're entertained regardless. Now that is taking your ridiculous philosophy too far. What? You'd rather sit them down for a PSA with
2: slightly more talented puppets? Do you honestly expect today's audience to take away anything concretely moral from Romeo and Juliet? What's the lesson? Don't marry at 14? (gasps) Millennials are killing the child wedding industry. (laughs) I
1: think they'll be fine. That's not the point. Which is? It's a cautionary tale about the dangers of young love. Oh my god. What? With a play like this, by an author
2: like Shakespeare that, while timeless, was made culturally relevant for a reason, the message gets so muddied and buried beneath historical context that the only thing left is to give your audience an interesting and unique adaptation of a story they already know. Entertain them or make it personal. I mean, for Christ's sakes, half his stuff was commissioned by bored royals who wanted something to watch in between screwing their sisters. Jesus. He was not in the building, no. Look, Romeo and Juliet is about two young lovers being torn apart by the hatred and prejudices of their families. It's an applicable metaphor for the youth of today who feel the same. So, basically... You're doing a clinic on how abstinence is the sexiest thing of all. Oh, screw you.
1: No. You knew me in college. Yeah, and we know how that worked out. What was that? When are you going to get tech crew to check that? We open tomorrow and it's been like that since the beginning of rehearsals. You do it. If you're so hell-bent on being the adult here... So you admit to being completely irresponsible. I never said that. And that I'm doing most of the job of directing already. Okay, so tell them to fix the damn spotlight. You tell them. Prove you're not dicking around about this. Oh, wait. That would actually be asking something of your very best friends. They might not kiss your ass for that. They know to do their
2: damn jobs, and that I'm supposed to indicate where to do that, if that's what you're implying.
1: Perfect. So, you'll tell Tech to fix the light? I hope that stupid thing falls on you. Whatever. well, they can do what they want. Their job's not half as hard as ours. That's snobbish.
2: For someone so pedantically righteous, you sure are eager to look down on other people.
1: Right, because you're so buddy-buddy with them, and everyone loves the good cop. You're the one actively trying to be the bad cop. No, you're just refusing to take this seriously because you need everyone to like you all the time, up to and at wanting to marry you, or you'll die in agony. Fuck you. Go ahead, and everyone else while you're at it. Can you be professional for one goddamn second? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are so hypocritical to be asking that Stop acting like my
2: personal priest Stop acting like you're better than everyone else Just because
1: somebody went to Catholic school Right, and you know what I learned there? Organization, discipline, things you don't have and never did At least everyone doesn't secretly hate me for being a pretentious, moralizing dick Oh no, that is not a secret at all everybody loving you doesn't get you a Tony, Ilya. That is exactly what you need to do to get one. Networking, community, being a nice goddamn person. Everyone thinks you're so nice. Everyone thinks you're just the best. Did you ever tell them why I left you? Because you couldn't stand being in a room where everyone loved me and hated you. No, because you made time for every single person except me. And of course... I finally realized you were just like them. I don't hate you. I never
2: did. I told you. Show. Don't tell. Don't blame me for not wanting to be second to your precious art. You were never second. Then why are we having this conversation? What did I miss? What did you do to make me feel anything less than wholly unwanted? You could have told me. I would have involved you more. I never wanted to be a bigger part of your stupid art, Ross. I just wanted to be a part of your life. If you don't care how lonely it is at the top, that's fine. But some of us don't find loneliness so suffocatingly poetic. What else was i supposed to do face it for what it was is don't pretend for a second that you've changed
1: i have i i enjoyed it getting to work on this with you it's fun imagine that no really we could fix this can't we don't you want to I don't, Ross.
2: I'm sorry, but I really don't. You can't call me stupid, then say that you love me. You can't insult my work, then say you enjoyed working with me. Ilya! You can't say that how I create, why I do what I do, is second best to your own ideals, then tell me that you've changed. You're exactly the same as last time. And the time before that. And the only person who can fix that is yourself. I don't want to be alone.
1: There. I said it. Doesn't that mean anything?
2: Show. Don't tell. Are
1: you sure no one noticed that before? It's pretty loud. (sighs) Yes, because... (laughs) Neither of us can even agree on who should tell Tech to get it fixed. No, surely someone would have brought it up. When did it start again? I told you, the beginning of rehearsals. When was that? What? How long have we been doing rehearsals? I,
2: I, I don't know. Is this the fall play or the spring one? I don't know. When was the last time you told Mark about the tour groups? I don't know. I don't... We never get that fixed, do we? Do we? Ilya! And we fight. Like we always do. Maybe it gets physical. Maybe we just hold each other. But here we are. Right in our places. When it comes crashing down. Bright and hot. Heavy. No wonder they think it's just one of us. What? What do we do? Nothing. What we always have been. You wanted your chances. You got them. But, but, no. What do you want me to say? That... I don't... You don't know. Might be a nice thing to admit. Surely, surely there was...
1: No, there must have been. If not for a moment...
2: Same time tomorrow night? Wouldn't
1: miss it for the life of me.
0: episode was written by Newton Schottelcotti and edited by CVVM. It was directed by Jacqueline Cho with dialogue editing by Lindsay Zanna and sound design by Eamon Connolly. Music was made by Eamon Connolly. The tour guide was played by Ari Delin. Tourists 1 and 2 were played by CVVM. Ross was played by Marnie Warner. And Ilya was played by Lindsay Zanna.